It does my heart good to see all those nibbling grasshoppers trying but failing to land on my cabbages. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it. And we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of September the 22nd, the second day of fall. And the reason those grasshoppers and other bugs are not able to get to your cabbages is because of our row cover that we have installed. Right. I'm actually not pleased to see the bugs out there, but I'm pleased to see the barrier between them and their target. <laughs> so, yeah, the- it was uh, a somewhat involved process. The row cover runs 82 feet of our four-foot row, row six. And I don't have any idea how many plants are included in it. Do you have any? Probably a close to 100. Okay. Yeah. And um, it's uh, cabbage, broccoli, Brussels sprouts. Um, some chard, Swiss chard. Wasn't that right? Yeah, I, think I think so. That, yeah. And um, that might be about it because, yeah. oh, collards. Collards, yeah, collards yeah. of course. Because collards and several were, kinds of cabbage. Yeah, got. yeah, and several kinds of broccoli. So, so uh, what's happening is the bugs, it is fall, but the bugs are still horrendous out there. Because it doesn't feel like fall. It really doesn't. <laughs> um, temperatures are still very high. We had a high of 98 uh, yesterday. The conditions are very summer-like out there even now. And I think you were the one who had that aha moment when you realized that nothing you planted in that long string needed any pollination. Right. Well, I think someone at in our Master Gardener class, one of the instructors, mentioned that row covers worked really well for a fall crop usually because most of what you plant in the fall, your cool season plants, don't have blooms or blossoms that need pollination. And they were exactly right. I mean, you think about all of those green leafy vegetables, they don't need it. So they, they don't have any flowers, kind of and we don't yeah. need the bees making it in and buzzing around and so forth. All we need is to give them some sunshine and some water and some fertility from the soil and let them do their thing. And I guess the results so far seem pretty good. Yes, I've looked under that row cover, and you can see through it. It's I think we talked about before, it lets in about 90% of the sunlight, so it's it's pretty translucent. And I can see through and see that those plants are growing. We are using a fabric called Agribon. I think it's AG15. Not that you care. Um, but the, 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 so far, the things we figured out about it are that it is very lightweight. Mm-hmm. And it does, it's very sheer. So it does let, uh, does let 90% of the sunlight in. But it's also a little fragile. Yeah, we accidentally, yeah, we tore a couple of holes in it, and one of which we um, were able to tape because it was near the top, and one I just put, you know, we we weighted it down with pieces of firewood, and I just put the firewood on top of the hole, so, uh, because obviously it would defeat the purpose if we had a lot of holes in it. All it takes is one grasshopper getting in, and we've heard horror stories about if you trap one insect even in that row, 
they can destroy that entire row of vegetables. Uh, uh, horrible thought. It's horrible to think yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, but so far, it does not appear that we have done so. It looks right. as if uh, they're... The, the plants that are in there are growing well and unimpeded by uh, insects. So yeah. that's good news so far, and we'll yeah. keep you posted. We were just realizing as we started to record that we don't yet have a picture of the row cover. So as soon as we record, uh, as soon as we finish recording and editing, I'll run out and get a picture of the row cover, and we'll put it up on the show notes. Page. We did get a before picture. We just don't have the after. We took a picture of when you had actually place the, the, the PVC hoops. Yeah. Uh, but we took, and, and I shot a picture down the row of the plants. Um, so so that, that's going to give us a nice comparison for how large those plants were the day we install the row cover. And then by the time we take the row cover off to harvest the first group, and we'll be able to see. Let's talk a little bit about that because uh, that is a uh, thought process in and of itself about when you remove the row cover, our hope is that at some point in the fall, the bugs really will be less of an issue. Right. When we see fewer of, the, of, of them around, I have seen those hopping around because actually they prey on other plants that are under the row cover as well. They prey on lima beans, on, um, I've seen them on the okra, I've seen those grasshoppers all over the place. So I should have a good sense of when they have died down, if they die down. If they ever die. <laughs> I'm so ready. But uh, at the very least, and let's assume we have to leave that row cover up for a while longer, but we're ready to harvest. Because I know I am supposed to thin some of those out. And the nice thing about thinning salad stuff, like, you know, cabbages and, you know, broccoli. Whatever you thin is supper. It's supper, yeah. <laughs> so um, you, don't, you don't waste anything. But when that time comes... Worst case scenario, we just have to lift the row cover, take out the the leaves or clip them or whatever, and then put it right back. So we'll we'll find out. We had said that we were going to talk about where's this fall we keep hearing about because it doesn't feel like fall yet, but I guess we've more or less covered that in talking about the row cover. Yeah, think? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Um, which brings us to the little scare we had about our sun hemp this week. Yeah, why don't you talk about what you learned at from, I think Mallory was the one who told you, right? I believe so. The first thing we noticed was while I was distributing topsoil on row 6 and uh, 7 for your fall veg, I noticed that the sun hemp was beginning to bloom. At that point, our sun hemp was about 12 feet high. <laughs> Very tall. Uh, and pretty impressive, you know, for it to get that high. And we were feeling nice about the fact that we were fixing all that nitrogen and adding all that biomass. So we were glad for it to be tall like that. But what I noticed was those blooms at the top. And, you know, any time you have a non-native crop, and sun hemp clearly is a, a non-native species, blooming, you get a little nervous. Yeah. And I got a little nervous. And you got a little nervous. Mm -hmm. So we decided to talk with Mallory Kelly, our extension agent, the next time we were at Master Gardener. And Mallory did some research and was able to reassure us that we did not have a risk of the plant pollinating and setting seed. That was our real concern. And, and the reason was? The reason was that it's too cold here in central Alabama. Sun hemp is a tropical plant, and it needs truly tropical temperatures mm -hmm. to set seed. However, 
what Mallory was able to tell us is that we probably should go ahead and cut it anyway. And the reason is because those thick stalks that it takes to support a 12-foot high plant were going to be too thick to decompose easily. So she said, you might as well go ahead and cut it back so that it forms more tender growth and that will be more easily incorporated into the soil. So that's what we did. We yeah. cut it back to basically thigh high um, mm-hmm. all yeah. over the east half of Edge Hill and um, put a little video about that. So that's up on the site and I'll link to it on the show notes page. Good. So, well, why don't we talk a little bit about the thinking we've been doing about our orchard, the future orchard, the expansion, if you will, uh, since the last podcast, because last time we really thought we had picked out a location and then yeah. we've changed our minds since then. <laughs> These fickle farmers. I know. Uh, what we uh, had talked with you about before is uh, expanding the orchard south of Veg Hill. The thing that was most appealing about that is that we would be able to add drip irrigation very easily because we already had drip right there. Um, But what we realized after looking at it more closely, and in particular you uh, realized, is that there's a significant risk of erosion down there. It's just too much of a drop-off. It's steep, too steep to support very many plants easily, so... Um, it, not just erosion, but I've noticed even in, the, in the, the slight slope that we have in our current orchard, if you don't berm up around those plants, uh, around those trees, that water, half of it just rolls down the hill when you water them. That's right. So you were plant. concerned not only about the soil washing, but you were also concerned about keeping the fruit trees, the targeted plants, hydrated. Yes. So we've, um, at least for the time being, discarded the idea of expanding the orchard to the south of Veg Hill. Uh, We thought briefly about using the space between the lodge and the barn. The future lodge. Yeah, the the lodge (laughs) site and the barn, which is a nice south-facing hillside. So there were some things about it that were really appealing. It's centrally located. I guess the main problem with that is that it would have required that we take down all the trees between the lodge site and the barn. And I kind of liked having those big trees, it's some hardwood trees, that are tall and serve as so much of a, somewhat of a visual buffer between the lodge and the, the kind of the business part of the pole barn where we keep the tractors. And, <laughs> Which, of course, for me, is the most beautiful part of the barn. But, um, you know, there's no accounting for taste. Some people don't like to see the butt end of a tractor. So. <laughs> and and it, it was a somewhat limited space, but it, it, it was a great um, choice, partly because of, or it would have been, partly because it's a rolling hill. It's not really a That's steep true. incline. So. But we've discarded that idea mostly because of the visual impact it would have on the um, on the lodge. So, so now we're closing in on opening up the space between what we've called the barn orchard and what we've called the east orchard. And if we do that, then that whole space would just become the orchard, which would simplify the nomenclature anyway. And, and some of the advantages of that would be keeping all the trees somewhat together and being able to go out, and, and when we do establish drip lines, it'll just be, you know, from a continuation. It'll just One be, large field yeah. with uh, 
drip tape running through it. Um, another advantage is that it would give us lots of sun-drenched orchard space. The only interruption of it would be sad longleaf. We have a longleaf pine that grows out in the middle of that area that we both have said, uh-uh, no matter what we do, sad longleaf needs to survive. Right. So we're, we're going to work around sad longleaf and try to make him glad longleaf. <laughs> yes. Um, but other than that, we would have a tremendous expanse of space that is totally in the sun all day long which, of course, is what you need for an orchard. And it's relatively level. It's not Relatively uh, really... level, that's true. By longleaf breeze standards, yeah. it's flat as a pancake. Right. <laughs> of course, nothing's flat as a pancake here. But it, it would be approachable. It would be usable um, in terms of the, the topography, I think, there. Um, of course, that we probably should talk a little bit about what a huge undertaking it's going to be to get yeah. those. Uh, that's down. the disadvantage of this approach is that it's going to be so much work. It would involve taking down many more trees than any other um, approach we've talked about. And it would also involve trenching a new Ford drip line. So that would be uh, two big jobs, mainly taking down the trees. That's the biggest job. I mean, the trenching is a matter of renting a trencher and using it one day and you're done as soon as you've you know, laid the lines and so forth. Uh, but the big deal is taking down all those trees and um, sort of dealing with the stumps that remain. Yeah, and what we talked about was just trying to level those stumps to the ground as much as possible, which I know is hard for you, and I hate to ask you to do it, but just to keep to, to level them up as much as possible. Absolutely, and I think we're on them, the same team yeah. on that. But to leave them in the ground, not try to bulldoze them up, because of the erosion factor, just it's one more anchor in the soil that could help us, you know, keep the... Um, exactly. It, there, keep obviously, one other approach to that is you hire a bulldozer or an excavator and you just take all those trees down and dig up the stumps. But we knew that if we did that, we would be running a severe risk of erosion. So we're, we're hoping to do it this way. Yes, we will have to work around stumps, but... Um, we think it would be better to do that than to run the risk of losing that whole hillside. Right. And we'll, of course, we'll plant some ground cover on it, some grass to, to help hold it. But, you know, we just don't, and before the grass can be established, we don't want to lose any more soil than we have, we have to. One other advantage to this approach, uh, even though it is a great deal more work, is the effect of that it would have on the view of the valley below us. Talk about that just a minute. Well, that's one reason we chose the lodge site to be where it is, which is, um, especially in the wintertime, you sit up there or stand up there and you can see over the valley. Of course, we don't own the whole valley. It's a lot of it's cotton fields, kind of bottomland, right. which, you know, I don't quite, quite frankly want to farm on bottomland, but Hey, I'd love to farm on bottom <laughs> land. But it's flat. It's flat, that's true. But <laughs> it is a gorgeous view from that spot. But in the summer or even in, starting in the spring when the leaves are on the trees, you really don't have nearly so much view. So if we take down those particular trees that we're talking about, it opens that up all year long. So hey. It sure does okay. and uh, 
you would think, okay, but you're going to plant trees, and when those trees grow up, then your view will be blocked again. But almost all of the fruit trees we're talking about planting either naturally don't get very tall, or we will continue to prune them to keep them from getting tall just so we can reach all the fruit. Right. That's a, it's, there's a selfish reason to keeping them, or, or buying a dwarf variety or something, keeping them small, and that is because uh, it's tough to harvest fruit from the top of a 40-foot tree. So we'd kind of like to, you know, engineer things so that we can, and, and we've learned from our trip to Petals from the Past that it can be done. Yes. So so that we don't have to, in our old age, be climbing up on ladders and uh, buckets of tractors and that kind of thing to harvest fruit. Yes. Yeah, so, well, we probably will, will be, be climbing up on the buckets yeah, of tractors. We've already got four that's... big pear trees out there. Well, they're not big yet, but they promise to, to grow tall. So we've already planted some trees that should grow tall, and we will have to, you know, harvest. But, but I, I take your point, which is, they won't be tall enough to block the view of the valley. Exactly. We'll Even be able to see over tree. them to yeah. the view below, which will be nice once it's done. Yes, once it's done. <laughs> and well, so, we're, yeah. Go ahead. Well, well I'm just going to say, so what do we want to plant, plant there? Well, let's talk about that a little bit. That's a good point. Yeah, we know that we want to plant more muscadines. I think that's a given. Yes. Um, we also know that we want to plant some European pears. We have hard pears now, and we've thought talked about some European pears, softer, a little sweeter, mm -hmm. right? Uh, probably on trellis. And Asian pears. Which are, Europe yeah, I guess they're, yeah. are they not Well, European I don't pears? know. Uh, I thought they but, were in a category. But they're in that class of softer, right, sweeter Right, softer, pears. Korean giant and Shinko were two that we tasted at Petals from the Past that just melt in your mouth. They're so good. But yeah. they're crispy. I shouldn't say the, it's a melt-in-your-mouth kind of flavor, but the consistency is this lovely crispness. It's and we're delightful. talking about uh, fruit that can be grown successfully organically and in central Alabama. So mm -hmm. uh, we're excited about what that can mean. And apples. We want to plant some more apple trees. Yeah, we've got four apple trees now, two uh, wine, sap. wine sap and two Anna apple trees. And we're thinking we probably could plant three or four more apple trees. Right. Uh, I guess the question is whether we want to add more blueberries. Uh, we obviously want to finish up with about 20, 21 blueberry bushes out mm -hmm. here north of the barn, which may be plenty. Right. We can consider that. And, you know, we'd also talked about potentially some more fig trees, a couple more pe uh, peach trees. So we have, but we'll have a lot more space to do that once we've worked on that orchard. We will have lots of space, maybe even too much space. We may end up with some empty space trying to figure out what we want to do with it. I think a Japanese maple would look nice there. Oh, my God. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we can talk about that later. <laughs> well, you have a great week, and we will report in with you next week. Take care. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Or you can send us honest-to-goodness mail at P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log, check in with Lee and Amanda, and talk with other listeners. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. 
see you next week.